the reason I actually set that method in my life was because I realized I knew how to be successful in my professional career. And I was making a lot of choices that had put me on the right path there to be successful. But my personal life was in shambles. And I think I have learned to realize that to be happy and to be fulfilled, I need everything that's important to me to be making progress towards where I wanted to go, not just one area. And I was very good because the world had taught me to do great things in my career. And professionally, I was very focused on that. And I had a system, how to check every mark that anyone ever told me to do, how to reach for the top. I knew I had a system in there, but why didn't I set goals in the other aspects of my life to have that full life? That was Payo Kadakia, the founder of revolutionary fitness and wellness platform, Class Pass. It provides people access to the best boutique fitness classes, gyms, and wellness experiences around the world. Hello, everyone. I'm Celeste Headley. You're listening to Women Amplified from the Conferences for Women. This episode is originally from the 2022 Virtual California Conference for Women, and it features a conversation with Payel Kadakia, moderated by Erica Williams-Simon, who's a creator, strategist, and author. I'm so excited to learn right along with you about Payel's journey from becoming a successful entrepreneur to being named one of Fortune's 40 Under 40. How did she get from there to there? And what are the secrets of her success? This conversation will explore all of that, and it includes insights into her unique goal-setting method. She has a lot of things that will inspire us, and she's got some concrete tips as well that all of us can implement if we want to achieve our goals both professionally and personally. So let's get started. I've got a confession to make. When I was invited to be in conversation with you, I did my Googles. And I was like, oh my gosh, of course, the ClassPass founder, right? For those who don't know, Pyle founded ClassPass. It has been valued at a billion dollars, which in the business world is considered a unicorn. And so everything I saw was highlighting that. And in my mind, having had so many of these conversations, I was like, oh, okay. I kind of know what this conversation is going to be, right? This is like the girl boss thing which I will say, I'm kind of grateful that that phrase is on its way out a little bit for many reasons. I think it was really limiting. Yeah. But I was like, okay, that's what this is going to be. It's going to be a conversation about ambition and drive and building something. And then I went to look at your Instagram and I was so happy and so like delighted because what I saw was glimpses of a full, well-rounded life, right? And right. someone who was showing not just themselves, as this driven, ambitious businesswoman. But I saw a dancer, right? A passionate dancer. I saw someone who was constantly celebrating and talking about her culture. I saw someone who is a mother and always talking about that. And I just find that to be so rewarding to see. I think we're in this moment now where people want to see what it looks like to be a complete human being. Right. And I believe, and I know you believe too, that to be a complete human being, you have to acknowledge and own and tap in to your passions and your purpose. So I guess my first question to you is going to be a big one, but let's start there. How have you crafted that kind of life? How have you made sure that in addition to kind of meeting these benchmarks that society says are successful, that you've also created a fulfilling life driven by passion and purpose? It's such a beautiful question. And thank you for even starting and introducing me in that way. I think it's easy to be introduced with our credentials, but I love that you were able to describe a more full human being that I really am because 
that is who I try and be and who I really strive to really perfect in the sense of being my full self all the time. And a lot of that for me, to be honest, starts because when I was younger, and I think even in my career, I didn't actually always feel like I fit in. I think there were many times in my life where I felt like I had to be boxed in or I was living two different lives or trying to be somebody I wasn't. And that happened by being Indian and American growing up here. It happened by being a woman in tech. It happened because I'm a creative person and also a business person. And I just didn't know how to always be all threads of who I was. And my initial way of dealing with that, and I think this is what a lot of us do, is I compartmentalized it, right? And I was this one person with this community. I was this person in this community. And I lived many different lives. And some of them were really fulfilling and other ones were what society wanted me to be. And I was trying to do it all all the time. And eventually in my life, I really started charting my own journey. And the anchor of that was something that, you know, was a passion, as you mentioned, which was dance. I started doing Indian dance when I was really young. And for me, it was more than obviously just having a hobby and activity. It became a place for me where I belonged and a place where I felt centered and I had confidence. And I think because I felt like I didn't fit in many other places, it was nice having an environment where I could thrive and be all parts and all colors of who I was. And therefore, when I got older, I really kept this side of me alive. So when I was at MIT, I danced on the side. When I was working as a consultant at Bain, I danced on the side and invited people to my dance shows. And at the same time afterwards, I really built a dance company on top of my corporate job because I was always fighting for this time and place in my life to exist. And I knew if it disappeared, a part of me was going to be lost too. And I would say that my fight in class pass, honestly, was to give that same thing that I had in dance to everyone else in the world. And that was why I started the company is because when I hit that problem of not finding the technology to find a class, I realized that this wasn't just about a tech problem. This was about people not knowing how to prioritize their passions. And here I was, somebody who truly has been working on being more of who she was, not just trying to be one part that society wanted me to be and thriving. And as I kept saying that, I wanted everyone else to have the same thing. I love it. I love it. I know that so many women can identify with that. I wrote a book literally about that moment of saying, I'm too many people. I want to be one person. How do I walk away from this career that I'd been boxed into? And now you have also written an amazing book called Life Pass that has just come out where you're talking about that second half of what you just spoke about, right? The idea of prioritization being a critical part of being able to create this well-rounded life that has passion and purpose and a little bit of ambition sprinkled in there too. So talk to me about how did you go about, once you kind of had this aha moment that you wanted to be driven by these things in a way that I think society maybe hadn't set you up to be driven by, right? Because again, and I can identify certainly as a Black woman, you're talking about trying to fit into all these different worlds. When you made that decision, like, okay, I got to do something different. I have to change and I have to prioritize me and my true self. What did that goal setting process look like? Because that's what you talk about in your book. Right. I have a method that I do. It's called the Life Pass Method, which I talk all about in the book, which is about setting priorities. And I actually didn't start that process in my life until a little bit after like ClassPass started working. And the reason I actually set that method in my life was because I realized I knew how to be successful in my professional career 
And I was making a lot of choices that had put me on the right path there to be successful. But my personal life was in shambles. And I think I have learned to realize that to be happy and to be fulfilled, I need everything that's important to me to be making progress towards where I wanted to go, not just one area. And I was very good because the world had taught me to do great things in my career and professionally. I was very focused on that. And I had a system, how to check every mark that anyone ever told me to do, how to reach for the top. I knew I had a system in there. But why didn't I set goals in the other aspects of my life to have that full life? And that's really where it started from. We can go into that a little bit, but I would say even earlier to answer more of like the professional side of things and how I shifted careers and got to a place where I felt confident enough to even start my own company. What I really had to do was start putting a plan in place to be able to chart my own journey, right? And so a lot of this, and I do talk about this in my book, it's how do you set up a financial plan, right? To really be able to take that leap in your life, right? I love telling people to go after their dreams, but it comes with some pre-planning, right? And I worked for six years making money, saving every dollar I could. So when that day came to take that leap and quit my job, I was able to do it. And so I think that's a really important part of the process. I worked really hard to get my parents' support through the journey. And being someone who was in her 20s, who decided to start a company and quit her job, it was important for me. My parents immigrated here in the 70s. I wanted their blessing in the path I was going to take. And having them be the people who literally said, why don't you quit your job? Was so important to me. And wow. to be able to get them there, right? And everyone's always like, how did you do that? <laughs> I was like, that's a big deal. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of it was I overshared. I think our tendency is to minimize the things that we think people are going to say no to or be scared of us doing. And I showed them every dance thing I did. I showed them everything about the company I was building. I overshared anytime someone would be like, hey, I think this is a great idea. Like, can I write you a check or anything that positive that was going on? Because I wanted them to have that faith in me and know that they had done right. They got me and my sister great education. They had raised us so well at this point in our lives. And I really wanted them to know let me be free, right? And I will do a good job. And they really believed that. And I think that's really part of the equation for me that those were sort of steps in the journey. And I didn't really quit my job right away. I went and took a half step, made sure I was paying the bills. And I started being an entrepreneur really honestly first by starting my dance company. And that taught me everything I needed to be an entrepreneur. And I just got riskier and riskier. Yeah. I love it. What I love about this story, because like you said, you were so fortunate and privileged and blessed that your parents actually were able to give you that support. I know not everyone has that. Of course. But I think the universal lesson there is this idea of you need someone, you need some people who will kind of see you in a way that you want to be seen. And part of getting that is sharing, is sharing and being honest and open and saying, this is who I am. This is what I've done. This is, and you know, I love that you said especially as women, I think we are taught to shrink those parts of ourselves. Yeah. And the idea of just saying, I'm going to open up and I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to be myself even before my job reflects that, even before like all the pieces are in place. So that's a really, really helpful lesson that I think all of us can take. I guess my next question though is, so we've kind of talked about, you figured out that this is something that you wanted. You set up all the pieces. I love that you said, we know how to make plans and goal lists for work and for doing all these things for other people, but rarely do we know how to do that for those parts of ourselves. Right. 
And I think that's really what people here today are going to want to hear more about. How do you actually go about setting up those goals or those kind of comparable checklists for those parts of yourself that are driven by passion and purpose? What is the method that you recommend? Here's the thing. We all have responsibilities. I never want to say we can do our passions without thinking about the real things in our life. But what we can do is put a plan together to make those responsibilities as efficient as possible and as enjoyable as possible too. And then have all the time in the world to dedicate towards our passions in our life. And, you know, ever since I was young, I literally would come home. I would do my homework really quickly. I would try and get done with all the things I was responsible for doing. So I had every extra minute of my day to do what I loved, which was dance. And I literally have set up my adulthood life in a very, very similar way. And so when people always ask me, how do you make time for your family? And I have a son now. And how do you dance? And how do you still have like a professional career and be ambitious? And it comes down to priorities. Now, the first step of priorities though, is about reflection and being self-aware, right? Because it's easy to list down a bunch of things that you have on your to-do list, but you need to actually know what you want. You know what? And most people do not ever tell you how to set expectations and goals for your own life. We are told constantly by other people what their expectations are of us, but you need to find a way and have a practice, right? Where you sit down and write those expectations. Something I do, which has always helped me, honestly, probably for the last eight, nine years since my life has been busy, is every Sunday night, I have a Google Doc. It's called Piles Weekly Priorities. And by the way, this goes across my professional life and personal life from things like I need to get this person a gift, right? To I want to see this friend for dinner. I need to choreograph this dance piece and I need to have these three meetings. Like these are sort of like, obviously they're critical to my job, but at the same time, they are more things that I know I want and I want to fit in if I can. And I always write those things down. And by the way, sometimes I'm like, there's no way this is going to happen this week. I'm going to move it to next week. And this calendar for me and this weekly checklist, it has it for the next few weeks. Sometimes it goes on for like the rest of the year because I'm like, I'm going to slate this for May because it's never going to fit in February. And I'm okay with that. But I like that if something is important to me, it goes on this list. And then only after I have that list, do I go and check my calendar. Usually we let our calendars dictate our lives, especially if people are putting stuff on there. And I have learned to do it the opposite way. And then I go to my calendar and, you know, sometimes those things are serving my priorities and sometimes they are not. And I have become very comfortable with saying, I'm going to cancel that. I'm going to say no. I am not going to feel obliged to doing things that don't serve me and my priorities. And to add on that a little bit, I know that sometimes can sound selfish, right? A lot of times people get really into their head about, wait, but I'm being selfless and I'm not thinking about other people. And I really think what at the end of the day, when you are protecting your mission and your priorities and where you're going in your life, you're going to be a better version of you that's going to be able to give more to other people. So true. So true. So first of all, I love that you said it starts with reflection because so often we don't really know what we want or who we want to be. And I think we do two things. One is we see what the world has told us we should be. Right. And two, we spend a lot of time, whether that be through social media or however we consume other people's images, right? And right. kind of what we think their life looks like. And maybe we should model ours after theirs. And, and so it's really good to just kind of be with yourself, by yourself, take a moment, dig deep and kind of figure that out. And then kind of go through the process you just talked about. That's so helpful. That was Erica Williams-Simon in conversation with Payel Kadakia, entrepreneur and author of Life Pass. 
Listen, we're just a few weeks out from our first big event of the fall conference season. If you've been thinking about registering for the October 6th in-person Pennsylvania Conference for Women, featuring Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, Tabitha Brown, Ariella Huffington, and many more special guests, you should get your tickets soon. Your in-person ticket includes automatic access to the main event online the next day. And yes, you can also buy an online-only ticket to see keynote speakers like Malala Yousafzai, actor Marley Matlin, lead COVID vaccine scientist Kismikia Corbett, and an amazing lineup of breakout session speakers. You can see the entire lineup at paconferenceforwomen.org slash speakers. Virtual registration closes before October 7th, so get your ticket today. You can learn more and register at paconferenceforwomen.org. Now let's get back to our conversation. So here's one thing I want to say, though. So we're having this conversation, which, again, I think is a timeless one for women because we all, no matter the time or place, have a lot of things we want to do, want to accomplish, have responsibilities. But this conversation is happening in a very unique time, right? Like in this era, post-2020, right. I don't even know what to call it. Is it during COVID, post-COVID, whatever? But BC. we're in a crazy time. <laughs> I don't know if this is what our future is going to look like forever. Who knows? But it's a unique time where women are feeling, I mean, really all of us are feeling a level of, I think, burnout, right? That I don't know that we've experienced before because it's cultural. It's not just individual and personal. It is societal, right? There's so much happening. It's a heavy time. Obviously, the women who are here at this conference are here because they want to reignite some passion in them. They want to actually reconnect. They want to re-energize and do all those things. But have you ever experienced burnout? If you're the kind of woman who makes a Google Doc for her personal life, I know that you are driven. I know that you are ambitious and like always on the go. But have you ever just felt like a sense of burnout? And if so, how did you overcome that or address that, especially within this context of like goal setting? Yeah, I love that. And by the way, I think burnout can be misconstrued in the sense of working hard for something you don't want to do is going to result in burnout. Working hard... For something you have a purpose towards, you won't ever feel burnt out. And usually Mm, that's the key. That's interesting. I have been beyond busy in my life working towards a dance show or, you know, when Class Fest was like going through the iteration, but I saw people going to class and I never once felt burnt out, even though I was clocking the craziest hours. Then there are other times where I've worked half of that on things that haven't really lit my soul on fire and I have felt burnt out. So it really, to me, is actually about the why behind the work. It is not about the work and having too much to do. And I think that's really why, once again, like what we were just talking about is so important because it's not about being a slave to the grind, right? It's about infusing all of it with some sort of purpose and some sort of fire in it. And I really believe that even in stuff that we have to do in certain jobs that we feel like, you know, we have to... Find a way to inject that purpose into it. What are you extracting from that lesson? What mentors could you be meeting in that, right? And I talk a lot about this in my journey when I was at Bain. You know, maybe it wasn't my dream to be a consultant, but the foundation I got from being there, the experience I got from being there, the network I got from being there set me up to flourish in my future. And so going back to the burnout question, it really, to me, comes down to your to-do list is wrong. Your priority list is wrong. It's not serving something that's 
burning inside of you. And I have definitely been there at points in my life. I've been there, you know, when I was sometimes even in my own company, I knew I was in the wrong role. And in 2017, I no longer wanted to be the CEO of my company, which like to most people was crazy. But I'm like, that role and the work I have to do is not serving me. It is not what I'm excited to do. And I started feeling burnt out because as much as I loved my company, the work I was doing wasn't lighting me on fire anymore. And I needed to switch that so I could go back to say, I love my company. I want to do the work that fires me up. And that is, by the way, on us. No one's ever going to, no one's no ever one going will to come for you, out, right? <laughs> especially in your career. Like people are just getting, especially yeah. if you work hard, which most people here I'm sure do, you can get taken advantage of. I actually always remember that. It was one of my, first jobs. And I remember getting like, it was like a feedback review. And he said to me, he goes, you know, my fear with you is people are going to take advantage of you because you work so hard. And I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean? He was like, you have to enjoy what you do because you have such grit and you care so much about your work and doing everything at 150%. And I will always do things like that. And at that level, and that reputation has followed me but it's been so much nicer doing it towards something I truly love. I never feel yeah. burnt out. Yeah, I love connecting the idea of burnout to prioritization, right? To mission, to purpose. Because like you said, society, absolutely. And I use the term society in a very broad sense. Yeah. Sometimes that means your job. Sometimes that means the culture of your, wherever you are. But like, we'll absolutely <laughs> take advantage of you overworking or of you doing something that doesn't serve you. And so it really is up to you to do that as you said earlier, that reflection, that pausing, it is, I'll just say it, it is okay to pause, right? If you are in that moment of feeling that kind of burnout to the best of your ability, we know that some things just don't stop. Like you can't pause on taking care of your family. You can't pause, pause what you can enough to be able to do that kind of reflection and possibly reprioritization because that's the only way. And it sounds like this is also what you're saying. That is the only way that you'll be able to set the right goals that then don't really require you to put those kind of limits on yourself that you can work hard and you can work passionately because it's something that you know is serving a deeper purpose for you. Right. And the Life Pass Method, which is the third part of the book, which is a deep goal setting process that I do. I mean, step one is reflection. Step two is similar to the reflection, but we flip it and we dream about the coming year and how we want to feel and what words we want to embody in our year. And then we actually go into a whole process of focusing, right? So this is all about What am I going to prioritize in my life? And people do a time diagnostic. We rate those areas of our life. And then we choose three to five areas we're going to focus on for the next three months, okay? So this whole goal setting process I also do is a quarterly process, right? So I'm not setting annual resolutions. I'm also not doing things for one week. I'm sort of anchoring myself on things I want to do and improve in my life, right? Once again, personally as well, right? There are times in our life where we need to improve personal things. There are times in our life when it's professional, but we are the only ones who can say that to ourselves and put that plan together. Usually we all know how to do that professionally. We don't know how to do it in other areas. And that's why I found this system really helpful for me because, you know, I remember I moved and I, I didn't have time to like decorate. And I remember in my, one of my words for the year, my dream words was home. And I was like, I wanted a way to feel home, but I just didn't have time to prioritize it. And I remember writing down like, okay, I'm going to like make sure these three rooms are done this quarter. And that just felt like an achievable goal in my mind versus feeling like I was just never going to decorate my house and I was just too busy to ever do it. And I think it's things like that, right? And it's also 
I talk a lot about this too. It's learning how to delegate, you know? And I think for women, there's such a stigma around that. I've had that stigma with me too. I mean, I don't know how to cook. Like I totally don't know how to cook. And I like (laughs) do not belong in the kitchen whatsoever. And it's taken me a really long time to say that. And I was even like talking to my mom the other day and she like kind of was like pushing me to be like, why don't you come in the kitchen? I'm like, mom, you know me at this point. Like, there's no point. Not going to happen. And like maybe one day when I have a goal and I've tried it, I've tried to put cooking into one of my goals because there are times where I'm like, let me explore this. And you know what? I've realized I just don't enjoy it. So then it's good for me to actually not set these unrealistic goals that like don't serve me in my life. And you know, I'd rather delegate it to my husband who loves food, thankfully. Truth moment, truth moment. I love it, I love it. It is a safe space. It is okay to admit that and also kind of then delegate accordingly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Okay, so, and that's another reason what you just talked about, that process is one of the reasons why I love this book and I encourage everyone to buy it and read it because it's very practical. I think we can have these conversations at a theoretical level about mission and values and purpose. And I mean, those are my favorite conversations to have. Totally. But at some point you get up from having the conversation and you have to go back to your life. Right. And what I appreciate about the book is that it actually does walk you through systems, plans, processes to actually begin to prioritize and goal set. Absolutely. But here's my question for you. I already talked about the fact that we're living in crazy times, right? But Let's say you go through this process and you set the goals, you do the reflection and you do the focusing exercises and you get your three things and you get your calendar. You are like just crushing it. And then life happens, Yeah, right? Which again, so many of us have experienced in a myriad of ways, but at the very least, we all experienced it with COVID, right? Totally. Life happens for you at ClassPass. I mean, I think it was in an instant, like 90% of your business was impacted right? because gyms were closed down. So How do you respond to that, first of all? But really, how do you build flexibility into this plan? I love that question. And honestly, the plan is built to be flexible. I think it's really more about having the habit of being able to say, my dream words are still my anchor, right? What I really want to feel is not going to necessarily change, right? My true north doesn't change. A tree just fell in the middle of the road but I still have to get to the other side, right? And I think that's really the mentality to have. It's life is going to happen there's going to be not even one tree, there's going to be multiple trees and lots of bumps along the way. But do you lose sense of your true north? And that's usually what gets people off, right? It's that they start wavering and then you don't know what direction you're going in. And that's when you start feeling like you're not making progress. So I always go back, like, you know, make sure your dream wars are right, which is step two of the process. Because if they're right, they will carry you through. You can change your goals. You can even change your focus areas if you need to. If all of a sudden, like, Someone might have a fitness goal and they get an injury. Like that doesn't mean you can't go towards some sort of sense of movement or some sort of sense of health, right? There are ways to improve on those areas. It's just more of breaking it down in a different way. And that's really what I want people to know. And I love what you even said earlier. It's knowing that true north, but also then breaking it down to take steps towards it, right? How do you overcome a challenge when it's in front of you? It's not about getting stagnant, right? That's the worst thing you could do is just sit there right? The thing you have to do is start gnawing at the tree and being like, how am I going to get through this? Little steps will help you get over there. I love that imagery so much, right? Like the tree fell in the middle of the road. You still got to get to the other side. And I think even just stating that, stating it in that way, like 
Because so often we either are in denial that the tree fell, yeah. we're trying to yeah. like pretend it did. Acknowledge the tree. <laughs> keep driving. Right. So there's a tree there. Yeah. Or we get discouraged and we're like, well, I guess I need to figure out an entirely new set of goals. And it's like, no, you just have to find a new way to get there. And it may take you longer and it may take a detour, but the other side is still there waiting for you. And I love that. Yeah. And actually with that point, I talk a lot about this a lot with entrepreneurship and people have always asked me like, how did... ClassPass last, you know, through so many ups and downs, like wrong turns, all of it. But it was that. It was the fact that I cared so much about the True North. And if I at any point was willing to change the True North, I mean, the company probably wouldn't exist or we'd be something else. And I think that's what's so important is that's about a company, but we have to remember that personally as well. It's the same thing. It's about fighting for what we truly want. And you're right. A lot of times when you give up on something, it's because you didn't care enough in the first place. So why yeah. even start on something that you might even give up on in the future? I was adamant I was never going to give up on trying to solve this problem, right? And I think that's really what I want people to know is when you start on these journeys, whether it's entrepreneurship or whatever it might be, if it's coming from your true purpose and calling, you are never going to give up even when that tree falls. And that's how you know it's the right thing. If you are willing to say, hey, I'm okay, I'm going to go find another true north over there, then that first one was never really there. I love it. And it it goes back to something else you talk about in your book that really then when you set that true north and you are committed to it and you are holding on to it, then the challenge or the task for you is just to figure out how. It's really the how. Right. Once you have set the why, then everything else is just kind of trying to get the right process in place for the how are you going to achieve it? How are you going to get there? And I think your book is so helpful in that. Thank you so much, Pyle. This was amazing because like I said, it was both inspirational and very, very practical. Those are the two words I would also use to describe not just your career and your life and the work that you do in the world, but this book, Life Pass. Make sure you get it. Thank you again, Pyle. Thank you. This episode was a replay of a session from the 2022 Virtual California Conference for Women featuring Payel Kadakia, founder of Class Pass and author, and Erica Williams-Simon. To learn more about Payel's groundbreaking goal-setting method, visit the Conferences for Women online bookstore. You can purchase Payel's book there. It's called Life Pass, Drop Your Limits, Rise to Your Potential, A Groundbreaking Approach to Goal-Setting. And if you need a little more inspiration and ideas from the Conferences for Women, we hope you join us at one of our upcoming in-person or online events in Boston, Philadelphia, Austin, or Silicon Valley. You can learn more at conferencesforwomen.org. The Conferences for Women is the largest network of women's conferences in the nation. They draw more than 55,000 women and men to annual events in Boston, Philadelphia, Austin, California, and lately, online. I'm Celeste Headley. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Be kind and be well. Be well.